0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: The Daily Face Off Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs-Bondi.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 23 of the Daily Face-Off Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Seagan We've got... Dylan DeBerthian to my right, Michael Beebs, Bonnie to my left. Boys, I just got to say, we keep it so consistent with the right to left here. If we ever switched,
0: I don't know if I'd, I'd be able to record an episode. Yeah. It's like sleeping in bed. You know how uh, you get comfortable with your partner and then uh, you have to switch one time and it's just everything's off and you can't even focus. That's what would happen here. Um, yeah, we're consistent. I've actually made a crevice in this couch that uh, resembles my cheeks, so I don't think I could move and do a, do a different place for a podcast. So. You're comfortable. Yeah. To say
1: the least, doing good. And D, I'm assuming you're just happy to be here, no place you'd rather be?
0: Yeah, I
3: think if we ever did it in Australia, then we could go counterclockwise, yeah, like their time. toilets, and uh, yeah, then we could switch it up. But otherwise...
1: I learned something new every day, did not know that their toilets go the other
3: direction.
0: What? That's a thing? You are not learning You learned never it, went to grade friend. school and just made jokes about how, you know... There was actually a Simpsons
3: episode one? where I think Bart called someone from Australia to find out, and then it cost them a lot of money. <laughs>
0: But it's confirmed. Yeah. I mean, it was on The Simpsons. Also, this is how we're trying to fund a trip to Australia. So send DFO podcast to Australia so we can do a podcast backwards. That would be fun. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll start with the Blue Stones and with my wife. 99 (laughs) Red No, that's not Australia. Uh, What's the uh, Land Down Under? We'll do the Land Down Under song. We got really
1: really off topic really early. Not a great start. Not a great start. Uh, Okay. Today... Speaking of not good starts, actually, terrific segue. Um, We're about a quarter away through the season, um, and obviously at this point in time, a lot of the players that are on your team are either doing good, doing well, and you're happy with... Or they're doing poorly and you are frustrated and want to probably drop their ass. So we are bringing back the cut bait segment of the podcast and we reached out to you guys on Twitter to give us some of the players that you are thinking about, you are considering dropping and want to know, should I cut bait with this player? So uh, we're going to go through a, a large list of players today and talk about what we expect from them moving forward, whether or not we believe you should drop them. But we also went through the waiver wire and picked a lot of our favorite players from anywhere between like 50 to 15% owned. And we're going to kind of just discuss if you were to drop this player, which players we would, you know, drop them for. Because we don't want you just to drop them for the sake of dropping them because we said drop them. There's got to be somebody worthwhile to pick up Yes, if you're going to make that move. So... Like I said, we've got a list here of of players about 50 to 15% on that we'll go through and and, and analyze if they are worth picking up. So without further ado, we're going to just talk about a couple of names here at the top that we're not dropping any of these guys. They are stars. You shouldn't be dropping them unless you're in the shallowest of leagues. Keep in mind that pretty much all of our advice and everything we talk about is based on a 12-team a standard size league. So if you're in a, a four-team league or six-team league, you know, some of this might not apply to you, um, in which case you might have to make your own decisions. But if a 12-team league and you have any of these guys, we don't recommend dropping them, but we will kind of talk about them a little bit and what we think their prospects of improving moving forward are. So... The big names on the list, are big names that we received in tweets are Jonathan Huberto from the Calgary Flames, Alexander Barkoff from the Florida Panthers, Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks as of now, Alex DeBrincat of the Senators, Brian Rust of the Penguins, Patrice Bergeron of the dominant Bruins, and Moritz Seider of the Detroit Red Wings. So, Obviously, we are not going to be dropping any of these players, again, unless you are playing in the smallest league imaginable. uh, These guys should remain on your roster. So let's start with Jonathan Huberto. We've talked about him quite a bit already, Uh, and I've been talking to people a lot about Huberto recently and saying, like, I don't know what everyone's freaking out about. He's really starting to turn a corner finally, like, this is what you should have been hoping for the whole time. He's got a goal and six assists, seven points in his last six games. He's starting to come around. The shot volume is still a, a big concern. He only has eight shots over that period of time, but he's back on the top line with Lindholm. He's picked up six assists in his last six games. He's starting to kind of turn that corner, so clearly not dropping him at this point, and I, I think that he'll be, he'll be fine moving forward.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's just, uh, I think it's a matter. I think owners are just still stung with where they really grabbed him. And at this point, a lot of the guys that they did that other guys were grabbing around that time are putting up consistent, you know, point points per game, which we're starting to see him get back to that level. But it's still just so assist heavy. Um, I I, we kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago there. I do think this is a great buy low target. D just made a trade for him in one of our other leagues. So I know that he's a big uh, J.H. fan over there. But D, how do you feel about grabbing Huberto um, for for cheap, or um, you know, just hanging on to him if you are an owner?
3: Yeah, I do feel good. I mean, you know, the trade it was a dynasty league, and I finally moved Ovechkin D's and boy. got Huberto and and Jack Quinn back. So obviously, a lot of that, you know, that trade had to do with the fact that Huber is about ten years younger, and I feel really good about Jack Quinn moving forward as well as kind of the second piece of that trade. I do think there's some real concerns about Huberto still moving forward. His ice time just isn't quite where it was um with the Panthers the last few years he's at 17 minutes a game it's got a little bit better over his last 11 it's just under 18 minutes but still he was at about 19 and a half minutes last season with Florida when he had his real real big breakout 115 points in 80 games so I, I really like I don't think he has that ceiling here in, in Calgary yep. um the one thing that's really been holding him back though that makes me feel good about him at least getting to you know back to the uh, being you know comfortably producing above a point per game uh is his lack of 5v5 production um uh, you know, a little bit concerning when you think about some of the great centers he's had in, in years past, thinking that maybe, you know, he's the benefits of some quality play driving, and, and that's gone now. But him and Lindholm have played really well together uh, at even strength. Goals 4 percentage is well in their favor. They're around 30 scoring chances per 60, 12 high danger chances. So they're creating a ton of chances, but the two of them just 3.7 on a shooting percentage together at 5v5, which is, uh, you know, falls way below both their career average. Uh, Huberto at 5 e 5 in his career is about 9.1%. Um, so that's where I really expect uh, him to bounce back. If you're just looking at his overall on ice, it doesn't look that bad. It's at about 11%, but that's really boosted up by the power play where he really hasn't skipped a beat. Uh, And probably a little bit unfortunate not to have more helpers than he does on the power play at this point. Um, So I expect the power play production to improve a little bit, but the 5v5 is what should get a lot better. Again, I don't think he has that 110, 120 point upside that he flashed last year. I just don't think there's enough talent around him in Calgary for that to happen, but uh, I still, like I said, like his abilities to produce above a point per game the rest of the season, so take that as you will. He's not so that I'm just looking to offload, and still a good buy low because even right now, like like you guys have talked about, his production's well below even that mark. So yeah, yeah
1: has there ever happen. been a hundred point player that's played 17 minutes a night? Like I don't, I don't think that happens very often, if yeah. at all. Um, it's just it's a product of that team having three really good centers in Lindholm, in Kadri, in, in Backlund. They use Backlund in a shutdown role, so he's going out there playing a ton of minutes because he's trying to shut down the opposition's top lines, and it doesn't leave a whole lot of ice time for kind of the rest of their, their big dogs. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, they're just trying to win actual hockey games and not so much uh, please their fantasy owners, but
0: but we want different.
1: Yeah, I mean, Huberto obviously has never been a, a huge goal scorer, so you, you shouldn't be totally surprised um, that he's you know, not scoring a ton of goals, but the shots are just,
3: they're not there. They're not there. And like, you know, he's, he's a decent shooter, but he, you know, it was, he needed that volume growth in the last few years to get to 30 goals, right? Like last year was the closest he got to three shots a game. He he got to 30 goals for the first time, or I think the second time in his career. Um, And certainly the first time that it wasn't the result of a uh, particularly high shooting percentage. So, Uh, yeah that's a real concern he's barely at two shots a game not even at two shots a game right now so he certainly doesn't have that 30 goal upside and you're probably looking at a guy that's more around you know 20 goals 60 assist pace from here on out
1: yeah and the next name on the list here is Alexander Barkov. speaking of of Huberto obviously these two had uh, tremendous seasons together last year in Florida and I don't know why Barkov's even on this list, to be honest with you. because he got sick. He got sick, missed some games, but he's got 18 points in 19 games. He's still just shooting 6.8%. His shot volume is is the
0: highest it's been, like, ever. Up to 19 and 20 now, by the way.
1: Yeah, he had yeah he had a couple points already tonight, but he's on pace for 319 shots over a full 82 game season. Obviously, he's not going to play 82 games, but uh, his previous career high is 256 shots. The shot volume is incredible. He's playing, um, you know, matching his previous career high in ice time, playing over 22, uh, almost 23 minutes a night. Whenever he's out there with Kachuk, their on ice or like their on ice numbers together are the best in the entire NHL. So there's only good things uh, to come. For Barkoff, so I guess basically my only advice here would be that unless this is just one isolated fantasy owner who is just frustrated with Barkov missing games because he's sick, if this might rep- to say something though, if this represents a larger yeah. part of the fantasy community. You should be targeting Alexander Barkov in trades as much as you can right now before he takes off. we We talked about this exact same thing a month ago, and it, it's still kind of the same thing, but the illness and missing time obviously kind of slowed his his progression down. but um if if more fantasy owners feel the way that this this person does, then he he should be acquired on the cheap or could be acquired on the cheap, I should say.
3: Yeah. and you know, he did get off to a slow start even before the injury right? He had four points in his first seven games and then he caught on after that, fourteen and twelve. And then he got hurt. So there has been, I I, th- I think there's just been frustration overall, right? Especially in redraft leagues. Like this is someone you would have had to pick up near the end of the first round, probably beginning of the second round. Um, and really, like he's been serviceable for three or maybe four of the fantasy weeks so far to date. So that's where the frustration comes from. And you got to try to capitalize on that because, yeah, you touched on it. Like everything looks great from his end and it's, it's all the... Uh, it's all the warning signs that we want to see in terms of why the production is not quite there. He's shooting 6.8%. He's a career 13.9 shooter. The on-eye shooting percentage is down too. So yeah, I, I don't think this is like by any means the result of uh, the turnover that, that that roster had. I think Kachuk is uh, a better piece than Huberto at this point in his career. So uh, I would expect that good things just to continue to come for Barkov and him to turn it around. And, you know, they've been a little bit unfortunate in terms of their shooting percentage on the power play as well. So something else that you would expect to kind of bounce back, especially once Barkov gets back on the ice.
0: Yeah. And if we are talking times to buy low, it probably is right now because Barkov realistically, after this six game absence due to illness, isn't going to get pounded with it, with the heavy minutes. I'm just trying to check right now um, exactly how many minutes he's he's got tonight, but we don't expect to see him get closer to 20. Um, like he's leading the team in ice time with 13:25 okay, tonight, le- leading yeah, yeah. all forwards. So I, oh, he must I be mean, over it. Yeah, apparently he just threw it out the window. But regardless, um, with that too might come a little bit less than his usual over point game production. Mm-hmm. So he might have a couple games here. Um, but other than that, I think now is the time. We actually had a moment last year when we we said jump on Kale McCarr because there was uh, I think he was just below a point per game, <laughs> and, and and it was kind of smart advice. And I think it's kind of what we're going for here with Barkov. Um, we're talking about elite players who I guess aren't really giving you elite production yet, and uh, and that's him. And coming off coming off pneumonia. Um, you know, you gotta assume he's he's gonna go for one of those streaks where we see three points, four points, three points, and uh, and when it happens, you want to at least have him on your team. If you were someone who who's, who's looking at cutting bait, or uh, or you want to try to make a trade for him. So. I, I wish I played in a league where Alexander Barkov was being dropped. Um, the next the next name four on this teamer. list
1: is is probably the closest. I'd say not like we're not dropping any of these guys, but like the, no. the one that I could probably sympathize with the most, and it's Patrick Kane. Um, part of me kind of says like you got yourself into this by picking him like this was pretty obvious that this was was likely coming team is a shell of what it was in the past um the craziest thing to me is i i actually anticipated perhaps his goal scoring numbers getting a little bit better because he was gonna have to do it by himself a little bit more and his assist production would falter his assist numbers really aren't too bad he's got 16 assists in 25 games which is a 52 assist pace i mean that's Pretty good for a guy that that's playing on a team with basically nobody, but just four goals. Um, the good news is he is just shooting four point nine percent. That should get better Talents around him shouldn't matter all that much for him shooting four point nine percent. Like it, it, there's no way that his, his shooting percentage drops seven percent because he doesn't have
0: Alexander or uh, Alex DeBrincat with him anymore. But yeah. um, the lowest he's ever put up is seven point nine. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, those things tend to even out. Like you said, an eleven point five career shooter. I think this is a this is a good case of if you are one of those teams that's kind of rolling at this point, and uh, and you can make an offer for a guy like this. We've talked about the Patty Kane trade saga. I think we're running into a little bit of a Claude Giroux situation from last year, where it was like, hey, he could go to this team, could go mm-hmm. to that team, and when he does, he's going to be this great, that great. And uh, we saw what happened. Drew got traded. He put up over a point per game, and he was quite usable in the fantasy playoffs. Um, 20, uh,
1: 23 points in 18 games for the Panthers.
0: Yeah. So that's, uh, if, if you can get something like that out of Kane, it's, uh, this is now the time to do it. Um, but with that said, if you're one of these teams that's kind of struggling early on, I don't think you can really be in a position to wait on Patrick Kane to get traded. So, um, I would personally, you know, stay away if I'm one of those. But, yeah, if, if you're someone who's been listening to the DFO podcast, you've likely had some beauty pickups this year, and you're likely just flexing on half the teams in your league. So it uh, now would be the time to go get someone like Patrick Kane. Um, I think you can push that narrative that, hey, he's not going to score a lot of goals. Hey, this team sucks. I believe they're 31st and 32nd in the league in uh, shots and goals for 30 and 31st. Close enough. Either way, they're just absolute barrel burners with Arizona down there. So, uh Patrick Kane is someone, uh, we've talked about it at the beginning of the year, he can put up 100 points in the right situation, but uh, he is not he in the right situation, traded. yeah, and uh, having Max Domi as your winger is not what you want, he could go anywhere else and get that with their third line or fourth line <laughs> winger, so, um, yeah, I, uh, I think he makes a great one for targeting, If like I mentioned, if you are one of the stronger sides, but um, if you're someone who has him, I would probably not. Bait because he's never going to have lower value. You'd think, right? Yeah,
1: like you're not you're not dropping him in, not even trading trading him. Trading him is not going to really probably wouldn't trade him. Are you buying low on Paddy Kane?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean the the four point nine shooting percentage, the six and a half five v five on ice shooting percentage. Like (laughs) you're assuming that's got to improve a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's playing with Kirchev and Domi, so I'm not expecting that to to soar back up to you know where he was at in his career during the prime Blackhawk days, but. Still going to be more serviceable and should be closer, you know, to an assist per game like he's consistently been at for the last eight seasons or so now. So, um, yeah, you know, the goal scoring, it's he needs the volume and the good thing is the volume's still there. Uh, But he's been the last two seasons, he's been under a 10% shooting percentage. So I don't expect a huge bounce back there, but he should still have three or four more goals than he does to this point. Uh, Even if, you know, we are talking about a a paltry shooting percentage, like eight or 9%. So it's going to get better. And he he should be, uh, even if he stays in Chicago, should still be a reliable point per game player, which is why I love taking him where you were getting him in drafts, just because like this is the floor and he still has 20 points in 25 games. Like he's been unfortunate, obviously, you know, the development of the, the players around him that were stepping up into bigger roles. No one's really taking advantage of that. So certainly from an assist perspective, he's going to miss Debrincat not being there over the course of the season. But still, like I said, this is essentially his floor um right around a point per game there's obviously upside for him to improve in Chicago and, and a ton of upside if he gets a move elsewhere so uh a really good buy low now and probably not a pick that's crippled uh your draft or your team in redraft leagues just based on where he was going this year
1: no yeah I've got him in in I think all of my leagues and, and got him in like the fifth round and it's like it's fine it's not great but it's it's fine yeah he's not he's not burying me yet but by any means so Certainly not looking to drop him, but like you said, just to further your point, Beebs, you said 7.9% is his lowest career uh, average, shooting average thus far, and that would even be good enough for three extra goals on what he's scored so far at his worst year yeah. shooting so
0: and if he has that are we talking about him here I mean, yeah like if, if he, has he has seven goals if
1: he has seven goals and 16 assists and has 23 points that looks a lot better so uh it, it's not going to take a whole lot for him to kind of improve on what he's done so far but let's get through these next couple names a little bit quicker and get to the actual um you know key are we cutting these players but brian russ and alex to um let's start with brian russ just because he is somebody that i i really like I, the numbers in pittsburgh um You know, with both their top two lines have been exceptional in terms of like underlying totals have been superb. Brian Rust obviously went through a bit of a cold stretch, but he's looked remarkable in his last couple games. He's bounced back. I've watched both those games by the eye test. He looks, uh, you know, like he's got some jump and and he's playing with classic
0: like fire the puck a billion times thing. It, 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 you see it.
1: He's got lots of shots. I mean, he he's only played 14 minutes in each of the last two games, but they were up big in those games. Uh, he's got two goals, four assists in his last two games. So he went through a bit of a cold spell there for a while, and I understand why owners would be frustrated. But at the end of the day, this guy is going to be playing, you know, 17, 18, 19 minutes a night with Malkin or Crosby. He's going to see, you know – Right now, he's on PP2, but I'm not overly concerned about it, because this is a dominant 5v5 team, and regardless of who he's with, he's going to be productive, and uh, during that 14-game stretch where he only had one goal, one assist, which both of those points came in one game, so he went pointless in 13 of 14 games, you could understand the frustration, but he did shoot 3% over that stretch, the on ice shooting percentage wasn't great, obviously, either, so... Um, yeah, like I, I'm not, I'm not dropping him. He's he's definitely somebody I would actually be looking to acquire because I don't think the acquisition cost is very high. I think it would have been obviously better before these last two games, but still, I don't think that this is somebody that's really going to cost you too much of a a pretty penny. And I think especially if you're maybe a Crosby or a Malkin owner who he's playing with at the moment, could be a nice little
0: uh, stack. Yeah, this is. I mean, he's 60 percent owned. We've talked about it other weeks. There's guys that that owners will look at and just literally look at their own percentage so if you can pull that off on someone I think you could snake them under someone's uh on just under their nose uh 21 power play points last year 17 two years before that so he clearly does um excel off the power play we've only seen four this year through 26 games I would still have him on pace just for about let's say 13 14 around there not as high as 21 last year so if he can kind of get back to that point I do really like it. As you mentioned, if you could stack that with a Crosby, with a Malkin, um, it's a nice little piece. And if you're in any league that's probably about 10 to 12 teams, you'll be looking at this guy right on the fringe of rosters. So uh, I think even with these last two hot games, it it does help that he only played the 14 minutes. Because like you said, a glaring six games before that without a point where owners are kind of just be looking. And I think during those six games, uh, we know how fantasy hockey's owners are they usually will be quick to drop someone. So I think during those games, a lot of people would have been considering it. So uh, now's the time, make a swap.
1: Just to give you an idea of players around the same ownership level as him right now, Braden Shen, Travis Konechny, Blake Wheeler, Tyler Segan, Riley Smith. I would rather have Rust over uh, every single one of yeah. those names on that list. So if you're yeah, an owner of one of those players or somebody kind of around that same level, you could almost certainly um, you know, get a straight swap. You know, You might have to offer a little bit more than that, but those are guys same own percentage that I would you know much prefer Rust over anything to add on on Rust before we move on here. D
3: nothing. I agree. I'd rather have him than all those guys. Yeah, all right.
1: Um, the next one, as I mentioned, Alex Debrinkat. We talked about how much it seems like Kane misses DeBrincat. I think DeBrincat misses Kane probably even more. Uh, it's been a bit disappointing. Obviously, the issue for him is is I think a lot more to do with the fact that Josh Norris is out. Like I think that would obviously be a huge help. Um, you know, playing with Shane Pinto, playing with Derek Brassard. It's just not the same thing. It's not the same thing as playing with Stitzel or Josh Norris, who he'd be with one of the two for sure. Uh, He's been, you know, okay. He's got 20 points in 25 games. It's not like he's been terrible. The six goals is is not great, but he's shooting just 6.8%. We we did see this kind of happen in 2020 where he just shot 8.7%. Everybody freaked out, but then he bounced back for 32 and 41 goals the next two years. So it's going to happen sometimes. I'm not overly concerned. The point production, like I said, still been solid, especially recently. Six points, one goal, five assists in his last seven games shooting just four point two percent. But the good number there is he's over three shots per game. So he's still shooting the puck. It's gonna start to bounce for him eventually. It's it's just a matter you know, it's a matter of numbers here at this point and again another by the low candidate like
3: Yeah, and I I like you know they're they're getting outplayed at five v five, but it's such high event hockey that I, you're fine with it. The plus minus will probably continue to be an issue this year, so you just got to keep that in mind. Depending on how much that affects or how much that factors into your format, but yeah, I think he's a really solid buy low candidate. You know the six point eight percent I I talked about it a few weeks ago. It's more concerning to me that we did see it for a full season before, and we know that like it's you know it might not just be a month or two. Like he can have these just really prolonged cold stretches, but certainly like you said, has it in him to bounce back. Um, but yeah, he's a he's one where five years in career 14.8 shooter you know there's a lot more to that just with how much it's kind of bounced around year to year so it's a little concerning but the one thing you love to see is that the shot volume has not wavered in the move uh thought it might you know a little bit less ice time not having patty kane there but hasn't been an issue so uh yeah i would agree i think you know um once the senators get healthy that probably those you know high danger chances become even a little bit about even higher quality um, for cat. so I would expect it. You know, it's he's only got more of a chance, obviously, to bounce back once they get healthy. So better days ahead. And the nice thing is, with the Cat his assist production is good enough that you can justify keeping him on your roster during these
0: cold stretches.
1: Yeah, the, the puck's not always going to go in for you, but as long as you're still picking up apples, you're fine. I don't even know why Patrice Bergeron's on this list. He has 11 points, 13 in his last 13 games. So moving on from him, Moe Sider, uh I, I understand kind of everybody's frustration there, but he's he's starting to turn the corner as well. I, I don't think that we're in the same boat.
0: Does uh, the emergence of
1: Philip Hironic, were you at all Detroit fan, Brock? It certainly has to. Obviously, like, Hironic's been outstanding. Um, Hironic's not, you know, Hironic's not even just been good on the power play. He's also (laughs) been terrific at 5v5. Uh, you know, Olimata coming over has made, that's Detroit's best D pair right now, they've been awesome, Hronik was like a minus 42 a season ago, he's like a plus 20 at some point this year, so it, it's just kind of completely changed him as a player being paired up with Olimata, which is, is is hilarious, but six points insiders last nine games, um, you know, the, the shot volume is a little bit concerning, um obviously the you know Heronik's emergence or reemergence I should say you know certainly isn't great like no. for Cider's value when when Heronik is seen that that top power play unit usage as he is right now and it's been kind of we we've seen kind of a flip a flippy floppy approach to that like it's a couple games Heronik, it's a couple games Cider and obviously Cider needs to be seen more time there if he's going to be uh you know as valuable as he was last season I don't think it helps that he's spending most of his ice time next to Ben Sherrod who's largely been an anchor throughout his career um but yeah like I'm not ter- like super worried about Sider I I think that we coming into the season none of us were as high on him as where his ADP was like we liked him but we didn't want him going nearly as early as he was going because everything needed to go perfectly again. And those are not typically the players we bank on. So Although I think Brock might
0: have called him for a 130-point season at one point. but uh, I don't recall
1: that. But, I mean, 11 points in 25 games from a defenseman isn't the worst thing in the wolf. world. 4.5 shooting percentage, you know, it could go up a little bit. But it's not terrible. It's certainly not what you'd hoped for at that ADP but it really probably wasn't a great selection as it was no and but
3: I mean they've been on opposite ends of the spec- the Spectrum, excuse me, in terms of the puck luck, Cider, yes. and Corona. Kronik. Corona's at, I think, a 14.5 on a shooting percentage, which is high for any defenseman, let alone one on the Red Wings. Um, so yeah, I what? would, e- I would expect, you um, you know, Cider's reports
1: that we're the seventh best team in the NHL today.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah, and we're riding with Bleacher Report. All right.
1: We are not. It was, it's an absolutely yeah, outrageous... He sent it to me, me right? and I just <laughs> sent a couple ha ha's, um, in caps. Uh,
0: but yeah, they're just
3: trying it in different directions. Like Cider's at 7%. Yeah. Um, Hironics at 14. I imagine they'll both be closer to 10 before season's end. And I think a lot of, you know, uh, kind of, yes, he's played really well. Definitely been fortunate in terms of the assist totals at 5v5 Hironics. So I think that's kind of propelled them into the spot. I would expect Cedar to get it. But I also want to say, I I, th- I would consider dropping Cedar, um, mm-hmm. even in 12 teams leagues, if my defense are loaded, because I don't think there's a huge advantage um, to carry in even one extra yeah. defenseman on your bench. A right. lot of times, yeah. just based off of like, there's I, not going to be a pickup spot. You're not getting a lot of extra games in your lineup a week. And yeah, if you can stream that spot, then you'll, you'll definitely get more value out of it. And I don't think you can really trade them for much right now. So I, I, I do think that like, if you've got uh three or four defense maybe you drafted a, a couple early to go with cider and then you took Carlson late. Uh, I definitely think like there's room to drop Cedar because uh, yeah, there's upside, but I
0: don't know how great it is in redrafting. I was just
1: going to ask you guys, if you owned Mo cider right now and somebody offered you Hironic for cider, would you take it or would you keep cider?
0: I would take it right now um,
1: you'd, you'd in take, a redraft league for sure. Would you take Ronick or Cider?
3: Um, I would probably stick with Cider. I, I do expect him to reclaim that role, and then at that point, I don't really see how Ronick would have. He just more value looks though.
1: so good still; it's like it's yeah. so yeah. hard to he justify does. it. Like it's I, I couldn't, pull, are... I couldn't pull the trigger, but it's an, it's an interesting case. Like, yeah. and if you were a Ronick owner, like. Well, it's the same to thing think as that like, you could get cider for Ronick, which I think is like it would. You'd have to think about it as a, as a cider owner. You'd have to.
0: I think we're literally just watching the Red Wings version of what Hedman and Serkachev just did. Um, Hedman except, was back on PP one. Thank God. Back, like Brock said, Hedman was back on PP one, and the second he tweeted out, Twitter blew up because I think that was all the Hedman owners just finally gasping. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're gonna see with cider here. Obviously, he's no Victor Hedman, but um, at some point, you know the the. The, the coolest clothes come out of the wash and and that's what you grab and that's that, that insane? Not at all. And I think that's uh that's <laughs> kind of what Cider is here. He's just he he is the true talent there. Um heronic's gonna come back to Earth But I was also the one who said in redraft leagues I would take Hironic. So um D made a great point. If you're in a redraft league, the rest of the production that you might get this year from him might not be worth it. Um so it is about that time where you can it just, yeah, it just depends. Like I,
3: I, think he's still like you know a, yeah. a starting defenseman yeah. moving forward. But
0: I'm struggling with him in a keeper league right now. Um, I just, I honestly not even flex the boat. I just have or flex my muscles. I just have a really strong team, and I got, I got really lucky with Eric Carlson. So I don't really need that fourth defenseman. Um, but at the same time, it's just so hard not to drop him. But I, but realistically, you can't I, drop him in a keeper. League, you though. can't. But when you have. When I'm thinking of how valuable yeah. that spot is, how much I would have rather started Brian Elliott tonight um, and then redrop that for so, five other starts this week, kind of thing, than wait on you know 11 points through 25 games. I and yeah, it's I w- tough.
3: I would think anything more than like three keepers, you got to hold on to him because yeah. he's probably still going to be a really good option next year. But in, in smaller leagues where, or I guess smaller keeper leagues where there's not as much turnover on the roster and you're only keeping three or four guys, like I mean, you're not prospects matter less in those leagues. Yeah. It's more about how they can help you year to year. Ours is a
0: 10 keeper? He's not. Yeah. He's not sticking around.
3: Or he is sticking around. No, not
0: on, not in the keeper, but
1: you're going to drop Mo Sider and a 10 team keeper. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. Oh,
3: 10 team. Yeah. I'm, I'm Sorry, saying 10, 10 man. Sorry. 10 man, keeper. 10 man. Used. But how many keepers? Five keepers, right?
0: Oh, uh, it's 10 keepers. And uh, he will be hitting the shelf. That's, that's how stacked the squad is fellas. All right.
1: Well, moving on. Cause I don't want to argue about dropping Mo Sider. Uh, um, Before we go to the Blue Stones, here's our list of players that we like on the waiver wire that we're going to be comparing your drop candidates to in the second half of the show. These are in order of own percentage, not favorite to least favorite. So Michael Bunting, 53% owned. Andre Kuzmenko, 43% owned. (laughs) Our boy Kevin Hayes, 33% owned. Victor Arvidsson, 30% owned. Seth Jarvis, 29%. Dylan Strome, 26%. Anthony Cirelli 25%, Cole Perfetti also 25%, Jack Quinn 19%, Jordan Everly 19%, Nick Schmaltz 17%, and JT Comfer, 16%. So those are our favorite are those are our favorite forwards on the wire between 15 and 50% owned. A couple of defensemen as well because we're going to get you some defensemen and goalies during the drop candidate session. Uh, Sean dersey 50% owned, Rasmus Sandin 26%. Michael Mathis in 10%. J.J. Moser, 8% for the defenseman. And then the goalies, just because we love talking about them, Carl Vomelka. Give it up for Carl. 47%. Dan Vladar, 35%. And Charlie Lindgren, 17%. So, we're gonna have a, a list of our favorites, individual favorites among those players, and compare them to the drop candidates you guys have given us. We've got about ten of them, and we'll talk to them or talk about them. I wish we were talking to them. That'd sure. Be fun. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So, how do you feel about this guy wanting to drop you in fantasy hockey <laughs> because you're playing so poorly? Now that would be a second. But anyways, just enjoy the blue stones. Him. We will see you guys back here in sixty seconds. That'll
0: be next year when we bring on real if cellos. You see me, you just turn
2: Let's get this dinner party started.
3: Welcome back to Season 8, Episode 23 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. Very Michael Jordan episode. Yeah, something like that. More uh, Brock Cyrus
0: McGinn singing the song 23.
3: Cleveland-era LeBron James. Yeah. Anyone?
0: I don't know why the first NHL I thought it was Brock McGinn, but here yeah. we are. teach his own. I mean... Oliver Larson, a little more for me.
3: Uh, The default player in NHL this year because it's NHL twenty three, the video game. Yeah, Uh, that's where I would have gone with it. No, he's the best. Jordan NHL. Um, We're going to get into the second half of the show. We got some guys that. We would actually consider dropping, and uh, we're going to put him up against, as Brock ran through some of our top pickups right now in that 50 to 15% range. So we're trying to get a decent look in at all shapes and sizes in terms of leagues. So without further ado, Brock, who do we want to talk about first?
1: So the man that actually inspired this entire segment, my buddy texted me yesterday and said, can you please talk me out of dropping Lucas Raymond? I said, with pleasure. He's got 15 points in 25 games. He is shooting 14%. So there's not a whole lot there. On a shooting percentage, is 9.6%. There's not that many things that say it's going to get a whole lot better. Um, the issue here is that he is, like, right now he's playing with Larkin, but he hasn't really been attached to Larkin's hip. Um, which you basically need to be. That's the only line that really does anything in Detroit. So when he's playing with Andrew Cobb, nothing's really happening. When he's playing with Michael Rasmussen, there's nothing really happening. So it's been an issue. Um, you know, three, three power play assists, four power play points. That's been, you know, where the majority of his production has come from. Uh, he's been great on the power play, but at 5v5, he just has not been able to get anything going. And I, I still think, you know, that there's, room for it to get better. I, I don't know so much if I wou- would want to drop him just yet, but he's only on pace for 157 shots compared to 184 a season ago when he still only scored 23 goals. So I I think the the Red Wing fan in me doesn't want to drop him and thinks it's just going to magically get better because yeah he looks good on the eye test, but the numbers suggest that this isn't really a, a player that's going to improve uh too dramatically in, in the near future. So, uh, you know, some of the names just that we've all kind of agreed on on that list that we like uh, include Michael Bunting, include Andre Kuzmenko, Kevin Hayes, Victor Arvidsson, Dylan Strome, Anthony Sorelli, Jack Quinn. Those are the guys we like. Um, I would probably drop Raymond for two of them. Yeah. Like, I, I, th- I think at this point, Kevin Hayes is better. Um, in, in fantasy, and I think Michael Bunting's better. You know Bunting's going to be on that top line with Matthews and Marner, and while I don't love Bunting, it's just kind of cheap production, because he's playing with such talented players. I just said Matthews and Marner. I know it's lander yeah, sure. now, but... Nick you know Robinson got
0: hurt tonight, um, so that should hurt your boy Bunts over there. Uh, he's no, not... No competition. Terrifying. Only four shots in the last three games for Raymond. Um, I know that I'm kind of kind of hanging on to him in one league, just hoping, you know, cause everyone's like, you know, it's uh he should, he's got the upside, he's got the upside, but at some point you kind of got to let that go and, uh, and and just, just take what you can get out there on the waiver wire, especially in redrafts. So I think this of most of the names is kind of that we're going to mention here is kind of the one that I uh, would be most comfortable with, um, yeah, maybe not. We got a couple other names that are pretty droppable coming going forward, but he definitely is someone who I'd be worried about. And I think if you can get realistically any value in a uh, ten team league or a twelve team league for him at the bottom of your roster, I think you should try to make that deal. You can maybe still pull the hey, he's you know twenty with a near sixty points. That's the already. thing too.
1: Like w- w- you got to remember, like. You really can only drop this guy for somebody that has good upside because he he is super talented. Yeah. Like you don't want to get burned by dropping him. Like I'm not dropping him for somebody that's just kind of a flash in the pan that's probably going to cool
0: off in a week Also or- don't drop him if you have like a heavy lead in the league or something like that. If you're I'm I'm thinking like panic mode. You're yeah. you know, you're fighting for your life and you need some some bodies. But yeah, if you're at the top and and these are usually the people who burn themselves in the ass the most because they're so active. That it does work, but sometimes it, you, you become a little too active. Um, so, you know, if you are in that lead and you do have a guy like this, this is more a take a chance. Or, you know, if you do see him pop up on your waiver wire, it's someone uh, I don't hate taking a chance on. But at the same time, I don't think we're looking at as good of a Red Wing team as we thought going into the season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, they're good. He's just not perfect. They're good. I just mean point-wise. We kind of expected, you know, a top six that could actually score. Uh, but... Uh,
3: I yeah I I think like there is guys I would rather have than him at this point I think you do need to consider dropping him in redraft leagues we were hoping you know the numbers he put up last year super super impressive for a 19 year old right and we're looking for him to take that step forward uh year over year and we just haven't seen it it looks super similar to what he did last year which is fine it'll probably be okay for near the bottom of your roster but 57 points over 82 games um really like that's not someone you're looking to make a full-time roster spot for you're hoping you can find more product or more consistent production than that. Um, and like, to me, that's kind of like we said, more of a, on a streaming level, you can get more value out of a roster spot if you keep kind of the revolving door open there. So we're really hoping to see him, you know, take that step forward in terms of a shot volume in terms of, um, maybe a little bit of extra ice time as well. None of that has happened. So it does just look like he's really on pace to repeat what he did last year. Uh, dynasty, Keeper leagues, you know, anything more than, like I said, two or three keepers, you absolutely got to make sure you hold on to him because yeah. uh, moving forward, like year to year, still a bunch of upside and, you know, another still one that, only 20. yeah, he could finish the year with 50 points and we'll still talk about him in the offseason next year, like he's one of the top breakouts just because still like even 15 points, 25 games, really impressive for a 20 year old, but doesn't look like, uh, he's going to be one of those guys that just takes a huge step forward and, and really cements themselves as a key fantasy piece. So yeah, he has more upside than, than some of the other guys in the wire, but, um, you know, it doesn't really look like he's going to be taking that step forward this year. So Bunting Hayes, um, I think even Arvidsson, if I was super desperate, I, I do think his production is going to be more reliable the rest of the season. Um, and then Stroman Sorelli too, I'd be in on both of those. Cause I think uh, at this point they have more upside in redraft leagues, uh, than Raymond does, but Kuzmenko, I'm not as high on. Cause I, <laughs> if Raymond was shooting 25% with a 16% on, ice shooting percentage, he'd probably be a point per game player too. Right yeah. Now, so.
1: And Kuzmenko is like still only shooting like one time per game and yeah. seems to go in, but, um, and his kind of role has been fluctuating too. I talked about how... Raymond and the Red Wings have kind of struggled at 5v5 just to give you an idea of you know what it's even like when he is playing with Larkin right now only averaging 2.2 expected goals for per 60 25 scoring chances for it's just not good at 5v5 right now um it's not just Raymond, though, either. Like, really, if like the sophomore slump is real this year. I mean, bunting to a certain degree has not been nearly as good as he was <laughs> Oh, last... now he counts as a <laughs> Yeah, I know, eh? Um, Zerus is, is kind of the one exception, but then Raymond struggling, Sider struggling, Lundell not quite as productive as last year, Cole Caulfield's been solid, but then, like, Mercer, Seth Jarvis, Matt Boldy, a lot of those guys really haven't, You know, Alex Newhook just was never that great last year anyway. But a lot of those guys have struggled. Jarvis Boldy and Raymond specifically um, have had a really difficult time. So, yeah, it's concerning. There's not really a lot. Like, a lot of times, especially, you know, the first half of the show, we're talking about stars. But there's a lot of signs pointing towards... there being an avenue for things to get better. With Raymond, there's re- it's really difficult to try to find mm-hmm. too much more that is going to help him improve. Like, this kind of just looks like this is going to be his production uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah,
3: here. like, I feel way better about Boldy moving forward. Like, that in redraft league, someone I'm definitely yeah, holding on to. Yeah, he's got 18 points in 25 games, and this is someone who's, you know, was shooting around two shots a game last year. We've seen that take up. He's at 71 and 25, so almost up to three shots a game. We've seen the ice time jump up three minutes, so those are the kind of really... Um, steps that we wanted to see out of Raymond this year. And like we said, those stats have just kind of plateaued. So certainly less upside and, and then a guy like Boldy. And even though they've had pretty similar production at this point.
1: Aside from the struggles too, I think a bit of a, a victim of the Red Wings just being a much deeper team this year, bringing in guys like Perron and Kubelik that have really excelled there yeah. and, and they're they're able to take on a, a much more prominent role in it. and then now Raymond is kind of taking a back seat where last year he was a driver most of the season. Brandon Hagel's on this list. He's got 17 points in, in 25 games. Um, Bit of a streaky player so far this year, obviously uh, has had like really nice runs. He's gone four straight without a point coming into tonight. I know that he scored a shorthanded goal. Um, I'm not sure if he added any other points to that total, but he's been solid. And to me, you know, the one thing that you want from a guy is to be playing with key players. And, he was been with Point and Kucherov pretty much exclusively for the better part of a month, month and a half. Uh, they did shuffle their lines around today, but he was with Sorelli and Braden Point, so still in good hands, and he's still in the top power play unit. So um, he's in really good hands in Tampa, and to me, I think his production has been been really solid. I mean, prior to that uh, four-game lull, which just to remind you, he started the season... Pointless through five games and then went on and rattled off 17 points in his next 16 games. So yeah, like I I think a four game pointless streak for Brandon Hagel is certainly something that's going to happen from time to time. But then he does showcase the ability to put up 17 points across 16 games. So you know, now that he's gone pointless in four, and then he picked up a goal tonight. I wouldn't be shocked if he picks up another point per game stretch over the next two weeks.
3: Yeah, it's not just where he's playing; it's how much too, right? Like he's at eighteen minutes
1: yeah, over that, that
0: stretch over of sixty.
3: Yeah, eighteen forty-seven on the season, and even like during this, you know, like you said, this colder stretch, he's still been over twenty minutes in three of those four games. So uh ice time isn't going away, and yeah, like it's just. He doesn't have as much upside as, you know, a Braden Point, obviously, playing in that spot. Like, you know, and I think maybe some people expected that. Like, he would kind of just be the next guy to really come into Tampa to explode. But to me, he's more like a Palat, a Tyler Johnson, where the opportunity in those minutes alone is going to warrant uh, a spot on fantasy roster. So there's a couple guys in the pickups that we talked about that I'd rather have um, Hayes, Bunting, where I think it'll just be a little bit more reliable, but that's probably about it. Cause I mean, none of those guys are playing 20 minutes a night with Stamkos and Kucherov. Um, and that team, you know, maybe doesn't look quite as great as they've been in recent years, but I think that's honestly more on the goaltending than anything else. The power play still at 28%. So, uh, and he's getting those minutes on the power play. So yeah, I think, uh, I think he'll be pretty, pretty solid the rest of the way. Like I said, a couple of guys that i um, that I would rather have on him on our pickup list right now, but there's probably a good chance that there's someone else you can drop aside from Hegel. He's he's not someone I'm looking to, to move on just yet because, yeah, the opportunity is just too good right now.
0: Yeah, this guy's been getting disrespected since kind of beginning, even when he was in that absolute heater of a streak. We kind of talked about it, and uh, I, I believe he got up to 32% maybe, which is kind of – is there's a bit more respect there, like you mentioned. He went on a five game streak where he hit over 20 minutes on ice. Even if he only had one, uh, if he only had one game where he actually got a point during that time. Uh, I, I just think that you know uh, we were just talking about Raymond, and I think if you're in a redraft league, I would want Hagel if he's going to play on this first line in mm. this position over Raymond all day for yes. sure. Um, and uh, and at 23 percent having left wing and right wing eligibility, I think he's this guy's kind of uh, kind of getting disrespected out here. Um, so yeah, no, he's uh, he's been slowly getting dropped. People are, people are thinking it's done minus four percent in the last day itself. Um, but now's your time to grab him, and I think you can get him on the bottom of your roster in a lot of leagues right now. And uh, very little, lo- very low chance you're gonna get a guy who's over seventy five percent available, who's playing on a top line, a top power play on a really good team. So yeah, the one thing too about his minutes is like,
1: it's not just him. Yeah they're like relying on their bottom six less. Like even Brayden points up to like 21 minutes tonight where he was typically 19 or yeah. whatever. Like he's they're relying on that top six a lot more than they have in the past and I think it's just because it's they're not quite as deep as they were and and it's really been beneficial for all of their top six talent Hagel included. The next name on the list here is Brayden Shen. Uh, Shen 3 years coming into this year averaged about 65, 66 points per 82 games pretty solid production so far this year six goals 13 assists 19 points in 26 games he's got 41 shots which isn't great but never been a real volume shooter anyway uh shooting 14.6 percent pretty pretty standard on ice shooting percentage is 10 percent, which is a far cry from the 16 percent that we saw him put up a season ago which really kind of inflated his numbers and, and made him uh closer to a point per game player um yeah i would i would have no issues dropping Braden shen this no. is th- i don't like i talk about it on my dfs show whenever the blues play like this is the most confusing team in the entire nhl they seem to be loaded with talent and they absolutely suck
0: it's almost like they like have good food one week they play great and then the next week they have bad food they play bad cuz it's like four, have you ever seen a team go 4 games win streak 5 games losing it, it's streak, been even more extreme four game than
1: game that. Win streak and they went on an 8 game losing streak a 7 game winning streak really and then now have lost uh six of their last eight
3: it's just all comes down to the goaltending right like his in defense they are yeah. third
1: third worst in the league in expected goals against per sixty. like their defense is certainly not giving Bennington a lot of help but Bennington has not been good either i'm not letting Bennington off the hook but
3: yeah yeah but i mean shen's on i say percentage at is 85 percent, which is just like laughable so um yeah he was obviously like one of the top prime candidates for regression he wasn't actually going that high in drafts which is why we didn't talk about him too much as a bust because uh yeah it wasn't like you were investing on him being the point per game player he was last year but absolutely you know again an- another guy who i just think you can get way more value out of uh just streaming that spot straight yeah. up and uh, i think he'll still be a pretty productive player like the assists will be solid but yeah like you said the shot volume is never really there so even though he shoots at a good clip there's really just no goal scoring upside to go with him um He's a you know a good guy to plug in your lineup on any given night because you know there's a good chance he gets you an apple. But that plus minus is going to continue to be an issue all season long, I think, for the Blues. And uh, in standard leagues, like that's enough for you know a borderline guy to just uh, like I said, get kicked to the wire. So uh, yeah, certainly one that I that I'm looking to move on from, no doubt.
0: Yeah, I mean we're talking to the stream god. And if the stream god's saying he wants a stream spot, you got to give him the stream spot. There you go, <laughs> stream god. Okay, uh, yeah, Braden Shen just not
1: not a player that even i i actually forgot he played in the league Um, here you get him in a trade and you're like
0: yeah maybe he's good nah we're just gonna let him
1: chill over bjorkstrand's next on this list um to me bjorkstrand was somebody that i really really liked to open the season we talked about him uh quite a bit and that's because you know early in the season he was shooting the puck uh a ton he was averaging over three three and a half shots per game he was playing 18, 19 minutes a night per game and then it's kind of gone the other way and it's gotten so extreme that he even played uh, 10 minutes the other night over his last 16 games. So, Like I said, he was averaging around 17, 18 minutes early in the season. Last 16 games, he's averaging under 14 minutes per game. He has only 28 shots in 16 games over that stretch and there's just no, no reason to roster this guy while he's playing that limited amount of ice time, we've seen and, and, and talked about the Kraken a lot, and about their top six and how good it's been. But he's not a member of that. He doesn't factor in there. You know, you've got Schwartz, McCann, Everly, and Burkoski. Those are their four wingers in the top six. The top line plays like 20 minutes a night. The second line plays 18 minutes a night. And then there's not really a whole lot left to go around for a player like Bjorkstrand. You know, Yanni Gord will get his minutes because he's on the kill, and he'll still play a bunch. But Bjorkstrand is going to not play very much, and he's not shooting very much anymore. And there's no reason for him to be rostered. I would almost drop him over for almost every
3: single guy on this yeah. list. Yeah, you know? obviously, like I said, another guy where it's just it's more valuable to stream anyone else in and out of that spot. You know, uh, I was skeptical of his upside in general coming into this year because it's not like this was a guy that was playing 14 minutes a night. All of a sudden, he's going to get his opportunity. He was playing 18 minutes a night last year in Columbus respectable output, but, you know, 28 goals, 29 assists, and 80 games, I think that's probably what we would have been expected in the head, too, even if he did kind of continue to get those top minutes in Seattle. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's this, you know, I don't think he's a play driver that can carry a line by himself. I think if he ever ended up in like a situation like a Brandon Hagel, like he could do a lot of damage uh, as a complimentary piece or or a Michael Bunting sort of thing, right? Like, I I think his totals could really skyrocket then, but I don't think even if he moves up the lineup, you know, minutes alone is, is enough to really uh, push him to that next level so I like Bjorkstrand as a player uh, but certainly even with you know with this ice time like I said even if he was around 18 minutes a night I, I wouldn't be crazy on him so uh, for him to be playing in the bottom six yeah it's a, it's a hard hard pass
1: yeah I think the thing that got us excited about him through the first couple weeks of the season was new team he was playing 18 minutes a night and he was averaging 4.3 shots per game it's like well how could you not like where this could go and then the minutes have just steadily declined yeah. um, throughout the week since Anything that or you're dropping his ass. No. Nah, nah. I, I loved him before the season started. Cut bait. Cut bait. Matthew Shane's next on the list. We talked about this Predators team a lot uh, throughout the offseason, throughout the start of this season, about just how this is just a team that that relied on a very, very high and impressive shooting percentage a season ago. Uh, Matt Duchesne personally was around 15.4%. He's at 13.9% so far this season. He does have 21 points in 23 games. Uh, he's shooting 11.1%. His career is 13.1%. I mean, he's been solid. He, he's he been better than I even thought he was. Um, he, he's been really... You know, similar to, like, a a Kevin Hayes, just pretty reliable on a night-to-night basis. Points in 13 of his 23 games. And, you know, not quite Kevin Hayes, but he's been solid. And, you know, unless there is somebody that's really, really good on your wire, I don't know necessarily if, if you need to drop him. The problem with Duchesne is that there's not, like, this elite upside, right? Like, he's... If you do drop them and you pick up like somebody like Kevin Hayes or, or Dylan Strome, I think the production is going to be pretty similar. Yeah. like It's going to be a lateral move at most. Yeah. I, I would try to find somebody maybe a little bit worse on my I, roster.
3: I would look to trade you, too, because yep. he's got 21 points in 23 games. He had that big year last year, 43 goals, 43 assists. Um, but there are some poor signs here, and not just, like obviously, the shooting percentage is falling back down to earth, but his shot volume is back down, too. He was up... Uh, above three shots a game last year, below two shots a game this year. So that's super concerning for me because, uh, one, we knew that the goal scoring was already going to drop off because he shot 18% last mm-hmm. year. So uh, I do think he's a good player. And I, I think, you know, there certainly is potential there, but he needs to shoot more. It's just not happening. And I think that team is just uh, a bit worse at 5v5 this year. So I don't know if he's going to get as many opportunities to really turn that around. But I think anyone looking at the hard numbers thinks he's doing pretty good 21 points in 23 games. Maybe they think he's, you know, kind of following up on the point per game uh production he had last year and I I think you can get uh much more reliable piece than than Duchesne moving forward so you know I don't know if I if I would drop him just because unlike some of these other guys we talked about I I think there is actually potential to move him into trade
0: yeah no I'm right there with you um and this is someone last year he kind of floated around this point last year and I think a lot of people shot themselves in the foot when they didn't make a deal for him obviously that's close to trade deadline um time when he did start absolutely popping off and and kind of slapping all those owners who uh who who could have gotten him as add-in. So I think you could catch a couple of those right now. Um, like you said, it's someone who, when you look at last year and see a 40-40 season, they could definitely be like, ooh, damn, I like that. That's something we could get behind, and uh, and, and I would be fine with letting that go. Um, I think he's come back down to earth, and we're, we're going to start seeing a lot more Matt Dushane than we got used to for the years before, and uh, I think last year is just a little bit of a flash in the pan.
1: Next name on the list here is Evan Bouchard. Um, we're going to get in the defenseman now.
0: Brock's favorite player in the league.
1: Not quite, but I don't know if it is time. I, I think that Bouchard's, um, I think that Bouchard's status is probably as as high as it's been at any point this season because he's actually finally starting to see power play one time. He saw PP one time for a couple games in a row, and Not last game, and, and no. then yeah, was bumped back to the, the second unit last game. So it it, it kind of remains to be seen um, how this is going to progress. I think though, for me just the potential for him to be there and the fact that they're they're starting to consider it and starting to think about it is enough and the other factor is there's nobody on the waiver wire for yeah. defensemen you're yeah. not going to get anybody that's got you know a better chance of of putting up numbers than him so
3: I would only be dropping him if it's again, like I said, that you know he's your fourth or fifth defenseman, yeah. and you probably get if more actually, value yeah. out of that spot, out of that bench spot uh, from a forward or even a goaltender. So, uh, but yeah, it, it just totally depends on your situation. I think he should be owned in most leagues because I think. Uh, he's in like I said those top 45 defensemen but another guy like you have to do what's best for you you can't worry about whether it's going to benefit someone else in the wire this is a guy that you're probably going to have difficulty trading so if you need help up front if you need the goalie spot like yeah I would I would drop him but to your point Brock like you're not going to find his upside on the wire because he looks amazing like he's shooting 62 times 27 games despite playing 18 minutes a night all he needs is that extra ice time and like literally this season this guy could be the limit in terms of the production you can get for a fantasy hockey defenseman. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the upside is, is super, super high. I'm just getting you know more and more pessimistic about whether or not that actually happens this year. Again, redraft dynasty leagues. I think he's an absolute stud because that job is going to be his eventually. Uh, and Conor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl will still be on the team. They're pretty good too. Yeah. So I, you know, absolutely, you got to hold on to him in any sort of keeper format. But uh, redraft leagues, you know, if you are stacked at the position. I think you can move on, but ideally you just hold on to him and then or even look to move one of your other pieces that are maybe have a little bit more name value. But I in in if I was in a crunch, um yeah, like I don't think I would I would like the guys we talked about, Jersey, Sandine, I don't think I would drop him for, for them. As I, I do like those players and Sandine obviously has some really good short term value so long as Riley is out, but um like neither of those guys could just potentially be a, you know, getting an extra four minutes at night and, and playing on McDavid's power play. So
1: Yeah, just before you go here, Beebs what I'm saying too is like there's no lateral move to be made with him defenseman for defenseman but yeah. I totally agree if it's if he's extra and Kevin Hayes is available yeah, like exactly. that, you're gonna get a lot more value there
0: yeah see I just don't uh, I, I think that generally the hockey community is just kind of on to the same thing that we are he's 70% owned any and we've seen this happen um, so I think that most people are kind of if they do own him they they're waiting still Yeah. Um, so I guess this is this is what we'd call a buy low, um, if you are feeling it. But then again, it's so hard to. I I personally don't really want to touch him right now. Between him or Mo Sider, who would you guys rather have? Because we're looking at relatively the same kind of numbers. Yeah. Um. And we're both looking at guys where I think in redraft leagues people should hold on to. but a stacked enough team could consider um, trading or, or moving. Um. And, and I think personally I'd like Sider, but. I, I, mean, think,
3: I think I would lean so Bouchard in, in both just because yeah. like the shot volume is super, super impressive. Like that's kind of like if he gets 23 minutes time, a night, crazy. 82 games, like he could be Brent Burns. Like he could have 350 shots a game. He needed to get that extra ice time. Yeah. I mean, he just has it. It's, yeah. so, it's stunning and, to me. Yeah. And I think like, even if Cedar gets that power play one time, I don't think he has the same upside as Bouchard does. If, if his usage really does grow. So I think it, for me, like it's a tight end. It's a really good question, but I think in both formats, redraft, dynasty keeper, I would lean Bouchard over Cider.
1: Yeah, playing on Edmonton PP1 versus Detroit PP1. it's Yeah. Like yeah. Apples to oranges in that regard. Um, I think probably some easier drop candidates here for defensemen. Ivan Provorov is next just doesn't, you know, he, he was solid there for a couple games while, um, you know, Tony D'Angelo was out. He, he plays insane in minutes. I, I, if you're playing in leagues where it's yeah, a points, points league, league yeah. and, and you're you're getting points for hits and blocks, then, you know, obviously he carries some more value there. Uh, it's just an absolute weapon. Even shots and, as well.
3: It's, it's not great, but it's, it's good in terms of counting stats.
1: Yeah, in, in those leagues, he's fine. Um, other leagues, he's just, see you later. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing here.
3: He's got two power play points on the season. That's not going to change anytime soon. Nope. I don't care who you are, if you play defense in the National Hockey League and you want to be relevant in fantasy, you got to play on the power well, play.
1: Well, and Cam York was just recalled. He'll yeah. likely take over on PP two at the very least. You've already
3: got a power play specialist in D'Angelo there, yeah. so there's just so, no chance. I Provorov plays so many minutes as is. He he is good at what he does. There's no need for them to to stress him and, and stretch his minutes out anymore.
1: So yeah, points leagues where you get points for hits, blocks, shots, whatever. You know, you you can consider keeping him on your roster. Anything outside of that. Uh, see you later, and then just to uh, reiterate, some of our favorite defensemen on the wire right now, Sean Jersey, pretty high on him at 50%, but he plays a you know, pretty sizable minutes plays on PP2 for the Kings. He's been really solid. Rasmus Sandine uh, has been really, really good the last few games. I know I scooped him up as soon as the Morgan Riley injury happened. He's been pretty solid. He's twenty six percent owned still though, which is very surprising yeah, to me. You true. would think
0: that somebody like him would, would kind of skyrocket up the list. He's one of those guys for weeks who could kind of just carry your team and get, can actually help you help you win. So
1: I lost uh, I lost Rowensky and um, Chris Letang like in back to back weeks there, and, and Sandine was like. Like literally a saving grace and then yeah. actually a couple days ago shane goss's bear got dropped in that league and i was like holy shit and it's a pretty deep Shainer. league, like, get, like getting a, uh, a 45 owned defense 45 percent owned defenseman like they don't mm-hmm. listen to the podcasts yeah like just getting that w- w- was a nice bonus and then also we've got mike matheson on this list he's since he's returned he's got six points in nine games he's playing almost 25 minutes 24 and a half minutes a night he's on power play one with the canadians he's been solid he's a guy that likes to shoot the puck 21 shots in nine games uh, he's he's kind of a sneaky add to me, and he's really really low owned at 10%. And JJ Moser is still worth considering if you know Chikorin and and, and Goss Bear obviously aren't available in your league. Recently, they've actually had Moser run in the top power play unit. It's kind of like a more of a one, you know, one A one B situation. The uh, the top power play unit can kind of sustain you know, with Moser also having Keller and Schmaltz out there. And then obviously the second unit has now Chickren and Bear being able to kind of shoulder most of the load there. So more of a 1A, 1B, but at the end of the day, Moser's the guy that's out there with Schmaltz and Keller. And most of the time when that team scores, it's coming off of one of those two guys' sticks. So I think Moser's been really solid this year and he's kind of up there, uh, you know, 9%, 8% owned. And uh, he's our, our fourth kind of pickup. But the other guy we are talking about dropping, or you guys are asking if you should drop, is Kalen Addison and Damon C. Davidson Addison is a bit more difficult just because like you see that role and it's like it, it should be so much better than it is but it's just it's been pretty Pretty paltry, all things considered. It's been a little bit better lately. Um, but this Minnesota Wild team is is starting to hit their stride. They're starting to score goals. We're seeing Kaprizov. I think Kaprizov's got goals in like six, seven, eight straight, something like that. He's heating up. Sam Steele on that top line has some, somehow reignited that top line. Uh, I still think it's a team that's missing Kevin Fiala. They're missing kind of that one more dynamic uh, play driver. Kaprizov can't really do it himself. But Addison does have 6 points set in his last 7 games. He's not going to play a lot at 5v5. He's going to be almost exclusively on the power play, and he's not going to shoot a lot. Yeah. He's kind of just like a, a solid fourth defenseman, but like you can't really.
3: He's just not out there enough to no. shoot a lot. Um, but I like to your point, like it it is doing its job. Like that role is providing value. It's just all he's doing essentially. Right. Like he's got 10 power play assists on the season. Like that's great for this point in the season. He's up to 14 points in 25 games. That's a pretty respectable total. Um, but I just, I have a hard time imagining his ice time really growing the season. It seems like he's really just going to be a power play specialist this year. Um, and I don't think they're really, uh, ready to give him more minutes at 5v5. And it's still a pretty deep blue line in that regard. So yeah, I don't anticipate that getting a lot better. I think he's another super interesting piece in dynasty leagues, tough one to project. Cause it's like, is he actually just going to be a specialist? Will he eventually eat some more minutes at 5v5? Uh, cause obviously you just need to play more in order to be uh, more productive, obviously. So, um, yeah, I, it's a tricky one, but, uh, you know, one that I think it's perfect to have these examples here. I'd rather Jersey uh, rest of the season I'd rather Sandine so long as Riley is out yep. uh but I think I would rather Addison over Matheson and Moser so
1: Yeah I, I'm in the exact same boat just to kind of further your point on how on the kind of strictly only power play production those those four assists in his last 7 games I just talked about all four of them come on the man advantage so just yeah not not playing enough at 5v5 to be you know, a key piece on your back end, but he, I still think he can yeah, be a pretty think, serviceable number yeah. four. And like we said, it, it all depends on your situation, but there's not going to be a whole lot better on the wire in terms of straight swaps for defensemen outside of Jersey and, and Sandine at the moment because, um, you know, I, I think Matheson would, I would consider Matheson just because Matheson's playing 25 minutes a night. He's yeah. also on PP1. I mean, with Caulfield and Suzuki, i I, I think he's. He would be like they're, they're very similar to me at the moment just because you know you're pl- he's playing eight more minutes a night.
3: Yeah, I it's just I mean his career highest points is thirty one and he's
1: But he's never been like the alpha male. He's like the dog. He
3: could, I, yeah, he, he had some seasons in Florida where he was up above twenty two minutes and he's seen a lot of ice, but obviously Ekbot and Yandel were still there, mm-hmm. so he wasn't getting the power play time. So the next Jeff Petrie. I, I yeah, I guess there's a bit of an unknown factor there. Um Like and- I'm not he's definitely not great, but I think like if you know the extra eight minutes is,
1: is got to be mm-hmm. at least worth considering. It's valuable for sure. You know, it's not on a great team by any means, but uh, you got to at least kind of consider it. I think.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I would lean on that one. I, I hope that I'm not in a spot where I have to choose between the two. <laughs> yeah. Because I think both, like plus minus, is going to be an issue with both. Like Minnesota is a good team, but if Addison's only playing on the power play, like you can't. Mm. You can only get a negative on when you're on the power play. So. Uh, I think plus minus will continue to be an issue for both of these guys. So I don't know. I, I I really don't know to be honest. I think if there's any extra sort of counting stats, I would lean Matheson like hits, blocks, or even shots. Uh, but I think in just goals, assists, you know, power play, points, I think I would maybe lean Addison just because if he does get more minutes. There, there certainly is more upside there. So, I just don't think it'll happen.
1: So it all depends if you like Dylan or myself more. Yeah. If you're picking up Addison or, or uh, Matheson at this point, very similar names. We, yeah. you know, it could be, could go either way. Um, Severson, though, is the, the last guy on this list for defensemen. And this man, I can't believe he's still owned. Yeah. Drop him.
3: Yeah. Kay. I, I don't think we need to say much more. Yeah, drop
1: him. Moving on. Jordan Bennington. Um, when he's not trying to fight players on the other team, he's also not stopping pucks. Oh. He has been brutal. D, you are like our resident uh, Bennington. I wouldn't say truther, but you've oh, owned him in a league for his for his whole life. I think he was born, and you picked him up in a dynasty yes. league, and he's been on your team ever he's since. '93,
0: we're '93.
1: So, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about him in a positive light. Actually, okay, let's go back further. So, in in late December, early November, he went on a five game stretch where he lost five in a row. Yep. Over that stretch he posted an eight fifty three save percentage. Facts. He followed that up and gave you hope by winning six in a row with a nine forty save percentage. And you're like, okay, the best this two is two weeks of my life. Yeah, this is this is going this is going well. Since then, he's backed up that six game winning streak with a six game losing streak mm-hmm. with an eight twenty seven save percentage. Just abysmal stuff.
3: That's correct. I think Grice is like two and in that time. Too. Yes. Grice
1: <laughs> has been a little bit better. He is uh he did give up I believe four tonight. Uh, they added an empty netter to get five. So he's just as bad. But yeah, he actually gave up four on like 19 shots. So he's terrible. Um, but the Blues just are not a very good defensive club. I don't really know what it is. Even the O'Reilly line has not been very good defensively. Um, yeah. just it, There's not a whole lot of hope here. But... It is difficult to really foresee there being, you know, a spot. Like, yes, Grice got the extra nod yeah, tonight. He's not, like, but slaying d- it. No, like, he's not going to take over that job. This is still Bennington's job. And I, I think, at least in the short term, you just have to be extremely
0: selective with who you put him out there against. Like, yeah, or just not care about the splits. And just or just not off. care, yeah. <laughs> just take wins one or take goalie stats one week and yeah. lose them the next. Because, honestly,
3: unless you have another stud, like, you know, it's probably what you're looking at right now and you just have to throw him in there hope he turns it around but yeah I'm with you you have to hold on to him it sucks but it's frustrating that team all. has potential yet yes you know the defense hasn't been great there but the the core of their struggles has been the goaltending and you saw it like you just went through it when Bennington played well they won five in a row and the rest of the season they've been terrible so um yeah I, I still think this is a very good forward core in front of him he should get good goal support the rest of the season, and. I mean, we saw it in the second half of last year when he kind of retook the job a little bit over Husso. like he doesn't need to be the best goalie in the, I've seen that ever since he came into the league, honestly, like he just needs to give a league average save percentage on that team and he'll be a top 10 fantasy goalie. So uh, you have to wait it out because again, like we saw this for last year, he was terrible for two or three months. And then as soon as he showed, you know, any form of semblance of his former self, they went right back to him, right? Like they trust him. They want him to get going and he's going to get every opportunity. Will it happen? I don't think so. Um, he's looked pretty terrible now, I mean, outside of probably a combined eight weeks in the last two seasons. So it doesn't look good, but I, like you said, there's no threat to his job, and it is a team that should be winning more games than not if they're getting the average goal attending. So I'm not setting the bar too high. Like He doesn't need to do a whole lot, but he's got to be serviceable.
1: In the short term, Like I think like I'm probably not dropping him yet because you need to just kind of ride this out and hope it gets better, like you said. And I think you just add a guy like Dan Vladar, Charlie Lindgren yep. right now. Those are our two top pickups. Obviously, you know, Ladar seems to be taking over for Jacob Markstrom, who we're about to talk about. And Charlie Lindgren is starting uh, for the Capitals while Darcy Kemper's out. Darcy Kemper doesn't appear to be out long-term. No. Um, but, you know, Lindgren was already still seeing a healthy amount of starts. Uh, he's very serviceable. He's been really good when he's been in the crease. So, um, you know, you, you pick up some kind of
3: short-term
1: Saviors to just kind of help you get through Bennington's struggles and just keep him on your roster if you've got that flexibility. If you don't, yeah, you well, like 10 sh- team lead, might-
3: like anything under than 12 teams, like you're dropping him for sure, yeah, like because you, yeah. you can find more oh, serviceable yeah. goalies on the wire, no doubt. Um, so yeah, but I, I do think 12 teams leagues, you just kind of have to wait it out and hope that it gets better. But I also think, like, one. Not that he's a buy low, but I think you could basically like get him as a, uh, as nothing, a as or a, even just like an add-in in a yeah. trade, right? Like someone sends you a trade, you like it, you think about doing it, you see they have Bennington on the roster, just give him a throw him in. He's like a 50% off. Throw him going. on your bench, and then on the off chance he finds his game again, like I said, you got yourself a top an extra top 15 fantasy net minor, because the starts will be there, and the goal support will be there.
1: Jacob Markstrom is like, You know, maybe the most interesting case right now. Um, His game is not where it was at all a season ago when he led the NHL with nine shutouts. He had a 922 save percentage. He's had an 899 save percentage. And Dan Vladar, of all people, seems to be taking the number one job. Uh, The Flames, by and large, have been relatively disappointing, um, but they're still a, a quality side, and Markstrom should be performing at a much uh, better level than he has, and it's just it's 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 concerning. Like I don't know how much better it's really going to get for him until like this is just kind of on him. I don't think that the Flames can really do a whole lot more for him. They they're you know they're a top ten team, and in, in terms of expected goals against, like they they play really good defense under Daryl Sutter. They're they're good on. You know, in that aspect of the game, and it's just a matter of, of making the stops, which he's just not. So, like from yeah. like, there's nothing that we can really say. Like, I'm not dropping this guy because no. it, it's there's a real. Clearer...
3: Ideally, you're picking up Vladar just to solidify that. Yeah, that yeah. if you do Situation. have
0: that, yeah. just,
1: just to give you an idea, or if you you're unaware, Vladar did also start off very poorly, but he's rattled off four consecutive wins uh, while posting a 918 save percentage. So even that, like 918, Vladar is not. You know. Stealing games, he's not standing on his head. He's, you know, that's well above league average at the moment. But that's just, you know if Markstrom can get back to a nine fifteen save percentage, he can rattle off four or five. Yeah, I do row.
3: think like he can take back this job without Vladar really struggling a whole lot. Like oh, Vladar is going to get more job. starts in the interim. But if like, say if Markstrom, you know, Vladar could start the next two or three games, Markstrom gets back in there, plays really well. Like he's going to get more work on, I, I think irregardless of what Vladar does. Cause I yeah. think they realize, um, you know, Vladar, yeah, he's a little bit of an unknown, uh, probably, you know, some upside there. He's just 25 years old, but I think for this season, they, they have to think that uh, getting Markstrom right is, is better for their long term success. So oh, yeah,
0: they're just riding the hot hand right now, I think, yeah. and kind of just giving him a mental break because uh, it, it, it's working when you are getting those wins. Um, I mean, a 911 save percentage throughout his career. He's 32 years old. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely going to edge back closer to that. The lowest, I mean, we haven't seen him put up anything like this since his early, early days with Vancouver um, when he was playing two three to four games a yeah. year. Yeah. So, um, Markstrom's definitely someone I, uh, if I was given the chance between Markstrom or Bennington, I would definitely go Markstrom, I think, uh, with, with what was in front of him, the team in front of him and just, uh, where I see things going forward. I think he's probably the best by low, uh, goaltender. We could, I was just going to say the same thing. Here. It's yeah. as good as it gets right
1: now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like
3: understanding that it might not get better.
1: No, it might not, but there's, there's a. There's a spot here where you could pick up somebody who could be a real league winner, like yeah. down the stretch. Uh, and Absolutely, you can, and, the, and the, you know the acquisition cost right now is is not high.
3: <laughs> he's 33 years old, so concerning because he's getting on the wrong side of that age curve. But at the same time, coming into this season, like over the last eight or nine years, he's been one of the most consistent goalies really ever since he took that starting job in Vancouver. So yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, he's a good horse to bet on for sure. It's funny. Him versus Bennington. I agree so much more upside that you have to go with Markstrom. But uh, like we said, I, you know, there is some threat to Markstrom's job here. Yeah. In, in Ladar Vidar.
1: signed a, a ticket. He's got a couple year deal. He's yeah. 25 years old. Like there is threat, no doubt. But you ticket. just got, <laughs> you, you just kind of look at the, yeah, small ticket. You just kind of look at the other teams that rank around um, Calgary in, in terms of expected goals against it's it's Boston leading the league Allmark's the best fantasy goalie in hockey, New Jersey ViTech fantasy a freak, Carolina Kachetkov's been awesome off the waiver wire, Seattle fix Martin Jones Minnesota okay Flurry's not been that great Vegas Logan Thompson looks amazing, L <laughs> A LA, they just their goaltenders are just actually bad. Calgary, and then you've got the Red Wings, Husso has been dominant. Like, those teams, all those teams have a guy that's playing outstanding hockey right now, and, and with that kind of defense in front of him, Markstrom should be able, you'd think, to find his game relatively easily. Yeah. But it's just a matter of time. So I do with I do agree. I think if you've got somebody that you can you can acquire him for and you feel comfortable doing so, you know, you especially if you already have good goaltending and it's not a whole you know a big risk to you to add him, I think it's a it's a fine play. Then the last name on this list is Alec and Alex Alexandalkovich, yeah. He just should not be owned. Uh, he's been absolutely horrendous. Uh, if you go to moneypuck.com and take a look at the uh, expected goals, uh, scored goals goals scored above expected uh, against he is second-worst, or coming to this evening, he was the second-worst goalie in the league, only um, better than Elvis Leakins, who's had a mighty, mighty struggle in Columbus this year. So, uh, Nadalkovich, yeah, he hardly plays. I mean, um, they, the only reason he started tonight was because it was their fourth game in six days, and they're just like, we can't yeah, kill yeah. Vili Husso. Uh, We're thinking
0: about it, but we can't. Yeah,
1: Vili Husso has been, you know, one of the best goalies in the league this year, and Nadalkovich has been, like I said, one of the worst. So he's not going to see much playing time. And honestly, like... They they claimed Magnus Hellberg off of waivers for a reason, like and it wasn't because they just like the guy. It's because Nadelkovich is having a really really tough go, and if if it continues the way it's going, it would not be surprising to see Nadelkovich get waived the same way we just saw Cal Peterson get waived.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah no, I'm with you. No floor, no upside, no value.
1: Bye bye. Uh, anyways, that's gonna do it for season eight, episode twenty-three. Oh my god, you do this oh every my god. time. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> streamers. I Streamers. <laughs> okay. We'll rip through them. uh It's not on my screen. It's only on
3: your screen,
0: you so go. I do forget. It's not. We trust the stream god so much so that we just exactly. don't even put it in our research because like, exactly. you know, we don't even want to add on to it. But stream god, what do you got for
3: us? All right, so bit of a different schedule this weekend. Friday, for whatever reason, the busiest night. I, I really don't know the reason for they it. They just do not want me to enjoy it's my so, weekend. That's yeah, got to be it. Yeah, yeah. They,
0: they were thinking about Brock. They're like, "Hey, man, you can have a Thursday off to watch your niece for and sure. Now for you sure, not enjoy your weekend."
3: Yeah, like I said, plenty of uh, plenty of time before the holiday break. Before that, you know, they would really kind of need to maybe squeeze some games in. So I don't really get it, but we got ten on Friday, eight on Saturday, six on Sunday. So that means you most likely have a full lineup on Friday, but you might actually be looking to get an extra game in on Saturday for a change. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at the two teams playing back to back on Saturday and Sunday this weekend, so you can look to get. Uh, two games for the price of one in terms of your matchup acquisition. So we have the Panthers who are in Tampa Bay on Saturday. Not great. Versus Seattle on Sunday. Slightly better. Um, so obviously jump on Verhage and Bennett. 65%, 71% if they are available. Uh, Bennett is out there, especially in non-Banger leagues. I, I have seen him dropped in a, a couple of my leagues uh, within the last couple of weeks, especially with Barkov coming back now. So uh, there's a slight chance that you know either one of them are out there. I think they're both worth a long-term look on your team. But even in uh, smaller leagues, both really good options as a as a streaming spot this weekend uh, how this kind of top six is going to shape up over the weekend not entirely clear Barkov was back in the lineup as we talked about already tonight Anton Lindell is still hurt but as of right now is Verhegi Bennett Kachuk on whatever you want to call that the top line or, or 1b uh, and then the Barkov line is with Sam Reinhardt uh, which is great for Reinhardt uh, and is it E2 E2 Luster Reinhard yeah. what a name uh, yeah, so he's going to be the one we're really taking a look at to start here. We're going to start off from really a deep league perspective because Luster Reinen is available uh, in 97% of leagues. Uh, second power play unit right now. And, and like we said, skating with Barkov and Reinhardt on the second line or 1B, 1A line, whatever you want to call it. Um, so definitely the recommended play here in terms of the widely available options on Florida, uh, Reinhardt, Barkov, Kachuk, obviously not available at all in your wire. So um, uh, I mean, I guess Reinhardt could be, he's had a really slow start, but his ownership is still above 80%. So uh, anyway, yeah, Reinhardt. Yeah, Ryan and really settled into it in a role in the top six of late. He's definitely taken advantage of the injuries. Um, and looks kind of set to hold on to a, a, at least like we said, a second line role here moving forward, just under 17 minutes a game in his last nine contests. We'll see how that is impacted, um, by the return of Barkov tonight. The fact that he obviously stayed in the top six bodes well for him, but Lindell coming back, like I said, could shake things up this weekend as well if he stays on Barkov's wing, he's a really good bet to add to your point total this weekend. He's got six goals, eight assists in 26 games this season. I'm pretty sure he scored tonight as well. So that's up to seven goals in 27 games. So, uh, yeah, decent goal scoring upside, but like I said, you get two games out of him this weekend, really good bet to get you at least one point, uh, which would be one more point than you had if you didn't stream. Nice. Um, and I do think that if Anton Lindell is healthy and available, 29% owned right now in your league, uh, he'd be my top pickup on the Panthers this weekend. He's missed the last two games with an upper body injury currently day to day. He saw a big jump in minutes with Barkov's absence, uh, turned that into a four game point streak prior to his own injury. Obviously, that upside is capped a little bit with Barkov returning, uh, but still a very viable streaming option. Just to
1: interject, he he missed tonight's game due to illness. It seemed like he was actually on track to return from the injury uh, and come back from that, but then missed because of an illness. So I think there's a pretty good chance that he plays this weekend.
3: Yeah. Uh, Moving on, we got the Kings in Montreal on Saturday, in Columbus on Sunday. Uh, A lot of great streaming options on the Kings, who draw a pair of decent matchups against the Habs and the Blue Jackets this weekend. As far as the forwards are concerned, really only Fiala, Kopitar, Kempe are off the board here. The rest of the Kings forwards are all available in at least 50% of leagues. Uh, Gabe Velarde saw his ownership soar after his goal-scoring tear to start the season, but he has dropped back down to just 40%. He's been dropped to the third line, still seeing plenty of minutes with Kempe and I'll follow there, uh, and had his, has held his spot on the top power play unit. Uh, so not as widely available, but one of the better targets to go after this weekend if you're targeting goals. Uh, the Kings' entire second line, though, all very viable options this weekend. There's a really good chance that at least one of Trevor Moore, Philip Deneau, or Arvidson uh, are available in your league. They're 32%, 30%, and 29% owned, respectively. Uh, All great options. I would opt for Arvidsson if I had the choice. We talked about how he even has some long-term value um, for the rest of the season. His outlook looks pretty good. And he's quietly put together a really strong campaign with seven goals, 14 assists, and 26 games this season. Been on a really strong run of late as well with four goals, eight assists in his last 11 games. And then finally, Arthur Kaliev. Kaliev. Nailed it. I did nail it. I, I did need kind of Brock to say it with me though, just that little bit of extra confidence. Sixteen percent own. Also worth the roll of the dice this weekend. Currently skating with Kopitar and Fiala on the top line. I will no better say place. Switch
0: tonight. Oh, yeah? Velarde went up there to one, and then uh, he's still on third line, though, and playing second power play. Yeah,
3: yeah. Like, third line, it doesn't sound great, but like I said, it's with Kempe and Ayafalo, so they're still getting a lot of run there. Ideally, he'd be back up on the top line this weekend, but still a solid option in in deeper leagues either way. Uh, Another guy that's more of a goal-scoring threat than we're used to seeing in this segment, he's got nine goals, eight assists, and 27 games this season. So uh, I think if I had to rank them under 30%, I would go Arvidsson, Lindell, Probably Kaliev uh, and then Luster Reinen, uh would be my options this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and then real You're quick, goalie spot starts. Uh, a lot of back-to-backs this weekend. Buffalo, Calgary, Florida, L.A., Minnesota, the Islanders, and Pittsburgh. I'm going to overlook Buffalo for matchup purposes. Not crazy about the home-and-home with Pittsburgh uh you are unlikely to find either goalie on the wire for the Panthers, Islanders or Flames. Like we said if a Dan Vladar is available, 32% own make a long-term spot on your roster for him. Uh but that leaves us with just the Kings, Wild and Penguins to look at in terms of spot starts. A lot of risk in playing any goalie against the Sabres right now, but Casey DeSmith Nine percent own is widely available. He's been adequate this season, is how I would put it. Uh, and the Penguins should still be the betting favorites in whichever game he starts. Not a slam dunk of a play, and it carries some risk to your splits, but a decent bet if you're looking for a win. Uh, and the good thing is the Sabers, like I said, it's a home and home. They're also going to be on a back to back. So even if he gets that second game, you're not really worried about uh, the fatigue factor there in terms of the guys in front of him. Uh, and then the Kings, while they uh, they will be traveling to Columbus on the tail end of a back to back, I still think Phoenix Copley three percent own will be a viable spot start, assuming he does get. The second of those two games this weekend. The Kings are a much better team on paper. Copley looked good against the Senators in a season debut the other night, stopping 31 of 33 in a 5 2 victory.
1: And he should always be considered in the month of December since he's from North Pole, Alaska. There you yeah. go.
0: He also had, a, I believe it was a 9 08 in the HL, so kind of just like 9 13. Think, so yeah. an up year for Phoenix Copley. Um, doing it yeah, and typically and for, for goalies, you know, that's yeah. just what you need. Yeah, like Willis I said.
1: Thumb is about minus. 0.08 off the save percentage from the AHL. So, conceivably, you'd think that he could come in and put up a 9.05 save percentage for the the Kings, which would be way better than Cal Peterson, and it would actually be better than Jonathan Quick. So, he yeah. could be, you know... And I
3: think even on the tail end of a back-to-back, there'll be no worse than a coin flip to win that game, so... Against
1: the Blue Jackets? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, should, they should be you know, favorites, maybe,
3: maybe. Yeah. Like I said, the only thing stopping it would be traveling on the back to back, but Detroit to Columbus, uh, is a lot worse uh, overnight traveling you can do in the NHL than that. Certainly. Uh, and then lastly for the second week in a row, Philip Gustafson is the darling of the spot start segment. Got to expect flurry will be in against the Oilers on Friday, which leaves Philip to take on the Canucks in Vancouver on Saturday. We correctly predicted Gustafson would get the nod against the Ducks in the first game of minis back-to-back last weekend. Uh, but again, like I, I don't really expect that to happen. It was more that Flurry had played all three games since coming back from his injury, um, and you know they were in a tight span in terms of days, so just made sense for Gustafson to get that first game. I think with the way the schedule lines up this week, I would expect him to get the second of the two games this weekend. In a game, again, the Wild should be at worst a coin flip to win, even on the tail end of the back-to-back. He's owning just nine percent of leagues, a 909 save percentage on the season.
2: Boom.
1: Now that is the end, <laughs> darling Philip Gustafson <laughs> of darling season eight, episode twenty three of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Siege. Thank you guys so much as always for tuning in. Best of luck this weekend with Stream God D's streams. Hopefully you guys are running away with your championship. And then obviously don't panic on some of these guys that you were thinking about maybe dropping but some of them you should worry about yeah. I'm Brock got Dill D. to my right Michael B's bonding to my left we'll see you guys back here next week I
0: hope some people consider us the darlings podcast peace, peace. I doubt